the kingdom belongs to his sheep and your life is in the hands of a God who never sleeps fear not little lamb for the kingdom belongs to his sheep and your life is in the hands of a God who Welcome back to Tending Lambs. I'm Katie. I'm Abby. And I'm Sam. And today we're having a conversation about our disappointments and our triumphs and failures and all the things that we feel um, good about and also self-conscious about. We're just going to get into some nitty-gritty about our daily lives as gentle parents. So hopefully this is relatable for you and that you can find some encouragement in it. A so, day in the life. A day in the life of a GP. So I'll start. Okay. Um, one of the biggest struggles for me currently is um, actually the television. I have mm-hmm. found myself so often like avoiding turning it off when I know it's been on too long because I know it's going to result in a meltdown. And I feel like such a terrible, you know, Janet supporter, like follower, because it's like, this is the whole thing, right? Like embrace the the bad feelings, embrace the upset, be there for them, empathize, you know, all these things that are really easy to say. Um, but when you have to deal with like a half hour meltdown because you turned off, you know, Miffy, it's like, <laughs> do I want to do this? I don't know. Yeah, so that's kind of one of my things, and ha- and just like really being uncomfortable with the tantrums. Yeah, Katie, I had messaged Katie about that exact thing the other day because we were, <laughs> I was like twenty five minutes into like a thirty minute me- meltdown for like the exact same thing, um, and just how I even said something along the lines of like, it's so easy to podcast about this stuff, and it's so hard to actually yeah. do it. <laughs> You know, like that's just real life. Like 30 minutes goes by slowly when you have a screaming toddler. Um, oh my gosh. But yeah, that I I think I think my husband and I probably our weak spot is not gonna be punitive. It's gonna be like being permissive. Um that's and that's something insane. we really have to keep an eye on, especially, you know, now that my daughter's not really a baby anymore, like there's actual opportunity to be permissive. Um, so yeah, that was, it was one of those things where I just had to, you just have to keep telling yourself, like, I'm not going to turn the TV back on just to stop this tantrum. You know, I'm going to do what I know to do, which is to like be here for her, comfort her, (laughs) but I'm not turning the TV back on. It's so hard to be on like that, like in between basically of like when you find yourself thinking, well, this is really hard and it would be so much easier to say, turn the TV back on while they're screaming or having whatever meltdown and just kind of like have to get over that hump. But it's more like climbing a mountain, like in that decision making moment, especially. Yeah. It's like a minute by minute decision to just not turn it back on. (laughs) 
<laughs> then there's no turning back. Yeah, and you know, I th- I think what makes it hard for me, particularly right now, um, and I hope that it doesn't stay this way, <clears throat> is just the season we're in. I almost feel like I feel so trapped in this little apartment that we're about to leave and it just feels like the walls are closing in and I feel like I project that on him that sense of feeling really trapped and so I feel guilty and it makes it much harder to um yeah to not give in I guess and I think that's probably a pretty common struggle I know that that's something my mom used to say to me that she had too much uh, empathy for us and growing up well like after I left the house I could clearly see that my mom wasn't having empathy for us she was projecting her discomfort onto us mm-hmm. and that's why she was very permissive with you know a lot of different things and I can see that tendency in myself now too mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's and it's yeah I can get really discouraged by that sometimes I know for us over here with me not being able to really prepare for if the next day is going to be an easy one or one where I feel really crappy that it can just be a lot easier to feel bad for the kids and my own struggles with Mm -hmm. chronic illness and kind of what I feel like they're missing out on and so it's easier to indulge them in what Mm -hmm. they're asking for or what's easier for me to do and it's honestly catastrophic it's like chronically catastrophic to continue giving in and being permissive and we get so out of sync and so out of schedule and it but in that moment it feels a lot easier to just be like fine we just woke up and you can totally go watch Netflix for five hours because I'm tired and I don't feel (laughs) good but then that just it dysregulates everybody every single time it's just really and um the counselor that we are seeing for one of our little ones, um, I feel like I kind of already knew this, but I hadn't really framed it in my mind this way, but she was just talking about how children learn to be flexible when they can trust in the structure. Mm-hmm. So the structure is what allows them to be flexible on those days because I was wondering if maybe, I mean, you never know if someone's going to understand uh, having a life with chronic illness, and especially when you're raising your kids and you're like, I really... I'm finding it hard to have a structure, but she was really empathetic and she totally understood. She just was like, okay, well, you do have to set up something. And so that when you have an off day and it's hard, the kids know that when the bad day is gone, that it's going to go back to normal. They have to be able to trust Mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a really good point. Kind of along those lines, actually, one of the things I've uh, just kind of struggled with lately is, um, you know, coming out of the baby phase, um, I feel like there is a lot more opportunity to actually apply our philosophy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, that's um, that provides a lot more opportunity for external feedback. <laughs> um, you know, it's just totally different when it you know, it all sounds good on paper, but actually applying it sometimes, I think, ruffles feathers. Um, So that's kind of been something I've been trying to um, handle as best as I can is just, you know, like actually applying this and standing by it, you know, even when, um, even when it's not as pretty as it 
as it looks on paper. Oh gosh. <laughs> I know Janet says it's like, it's good when they have a meltdown, like this is a good thing. And I'm always like, Janet, it doesn't feel like a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm happy. I feel like sometimes I'm having to brainwash myself almost like, remind, right. you know, like this is a good thing. I wish okay. I yeah. could express my emotions so uh, immediately and open oh, like, I, you know, I wish I knew how I felt the way he knows how he feels, you know, like, oh my yeah. gosh, yeah, because when you've tried every little thing and every little piece of advice and you're just like, yeah, I know, man, you're really, really upset about this. You're having a hard time with it. How about we go do this instead? Or how about I help you with this? And they just stare you blank in the face and they're like, no, mm. no. Oh no. <laughs> and I feel like I should clarify. It's not that I feel like I'm brainwashing myself for the philosophy. It's more <laughs> the like recognition that emotions are okay. That yeah. I have to keep it's more like undoing, undoing yeah. some of the things that we've grown to believe. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, that's it. It's really unlearning so much that you know, it was unconsciously given to me by my parents and just by everyone, you know? Yeah. Uh, expressions have- of emotion are negative or expressions of negative emotions are negative yeah this has been really hard with my four-year-old because she's extremely expressive and she's very vocal and so if something is disappointing her even if she's not doing anything to me or to anybody else that's problematic she'll kind of be a little bit grumbly or like oh and it I don't know why but it just started triggering me all of a sudden lately and I can like hear myself (laughs) <laughs> with my mom's voice basically like or trying not to repeat all the things about kind of this just little snapshot of emotion that it's going to go away and it's not hurting me and I can mm-hmm. talk to her about it like hey you feel really disappointed by that right now and that's always the most healthy way to deal with it and yeah. the most healthy way to help her and she does come out of it but in that moment it can be really hard when you're you're working all day for these little people and it just, it, it's like they're throwing ungratefulness at you, but they can't even comprehend that. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. so hard not to assign motives. Sometimes yeah. it feels like I almost have to just go through my script. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I, and like keep myself calm as calm as I can because I'm having a lot of negative emotions or I'm on the verge of like tears because of some other. Th- you know, thing that has happened and I'm, I'm very emotional and that all I can really do is just say what I know to say. And I, I, I hope it's not like that forever. I I know that it will get easier as I process this and as he, he gets older and uh, we're able to have better communication together, Mm -hmm. you know, um, right now because he's nonverbal well you know he's learned a few words but he's still like not really talking it's so hard to communicate and I can feel really trapped in that Mm -hmm. um, and just not really know where to go so it does feel like I'm just saying things just to say them because he doesn't really understand my words you know not fully yet and so I just have to remind myself that the important thing is the emotion that I'm conveying to him that what he's going through is okay. Well, and most of the time for us, I mean, I found in that moment that it's, um, I just found that it's really important for me because it is a determining factor. Even if I feel like I'm just repeating something and repeating it and repeating it and not feeling genuine about it, that it's yeah. 
generally keeping me away from the catalyst that would make me very triggered. That would be hard to come back from. Um, It's almost like an exercise for my own self. Like this is my safe space. This is my boundary and whatever's going around outside of it, I can handle because I'm, I'm settled. Um, One thing I wanted to bring up that maybe you guys have some input on, or I don't know if you've experienced this too, but I find it really challenging sometimes actually to determine like what is best for our family based on Evelyn's like personality and interests. Um, What I mean by that is like, you know, we've been, I really love Montessori. I really love RIE um, resources for infant educators. Um, I love the idea of like free play and yes spaces and just kind of allowing Evelyn to explore her own interests Um, And that's something I want to help foster in her, but she (laughs) just like personality wise does not seem like a free player type person. Like she, um, and it's something I've actually encouraged in her since she was a tiny baby. So it's not for lack of opportunity, but she just like genuinely enjoys like being in the same room as me. She, I don't know, has a hard time with that. And then she really likes having someone engage with her while she's playing, um, like, you know, doing a puzzle with her, building blocks with her, whatever. And, and maybe that's just an age thing and it's not really personality driven. But yeah, I've just kind of struggled, like, how does the rubber meet the road here? Like, there, there are all these philosophies that I really love and I see the value in. But um, what happens if maybe your kid's not as into them as you are, you know? I think um, I can really um, with Weston, our oldest, um, he has always been, I kind of accidentally attachment parented him. I didn't really know what all that meant, but that's uh, kind of what happened. Um, so I do feel like he's always been really secure in me and our relationship, but he always, always, always wants to be engaging with someone. And you can see this in like just him around the house. He tends to be where you are, where other people are. Even if he does not want to be around those specific people, he Mm. will still put himself near them. Um, And, but I mean, from that to mommy, look at this, mommy, look at this, mommy, look at this. And, um, but I did, I've noticed lately that kind of his version of what I think we would consider free playing is when he gets inspired to do something, he can independently go and do that. Like he was doing a diorama for um, one of his co-op classes and he finished it. He took it. He was so excited. And when we got home, he was just excited to do more work on it, even though, I mean, he's already turned it in and everything, but he went out and he did ask us at first, like, Hey mommy, will you come outside with the baby? Um, And he asked his sisters and everything. But I mean, we did explain, like, I need to change the baby's diaper. I need to make sure your sisters have water and a snack and everything. And he was like, okay. And he did go out and invest in his project. And then when he was finished with it and he felt satisfied with it, he came back. So he did kind of have a little explosion of creativity mm-hmm. and Western time, um, which I don't know. I just, I just kind of more heavily noticed it because yeah. he is so um, – not necessarily attention seeking. I, I just think he needs people with him a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things that came to my mind, Abby, when you were describing your situation is that like, like Sam said, you know, different personalities from different kids, uh, you know, is going to kind of dictate how, how much they want to be around other people. You know, I was one that 
was like a super talker. I would just talk, 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 talk all the time. There's a story from my grandmother that, you know, we used to, we would call each other bed buddies because I would sleep with my grandmother at night when we would go um, spend the night over there. And she woke up in the morning and was talking to my mom and was saying, you know, I don't know if I can do that again tonight because Katie just won't stop talking. So I was one <laughs> I was one that was always, you know, needing somebody else to talk to. Um whereas my sister was usually fiercely independent when she would get hurt she did not want mom which is what I would always say, ah, let me go get mom and she would say no, no, I don't don't get mom. Uh so there's that, but there's also um you know just sitting and being there while she's uh engaging with the things around her Mm -hmm. i'm talking about evie now like you don't have to initiate things for it still to be her leading you know there were kids in my toddler classroom that always wanted me to see what they were doing and to be doing it with them and of course you know I have 13 other little toddlers running around I've got to go but you know put out fires and be you know available for all of them uh and sometimes yeah just sitting and being there is okay you know like she's still getting her exploration time in you know it's just with you present I don't know if it was an episode of Unruffled or if it was um, if it was a different podcast. I'll have to figure it out. But they were just talking about. I think the topic may have been independent play, um, but how your kids kind of orbit around you. Oh gosh, no! I think it was a book. It was um, it was Peaceful Parents, Happy Kids, and it was talking about at certain ages how children orbit around you, mm-hmm. um, basically. So even when they're doing something independent they will try to find you to kind of find their own bearings. Like if you mm-hmm. move at the park, they're going to get kind of discombobulated for a minute yeah. until they find you again. And then they can continue doing that just because their perspective of who they are and who you are is blended at that point, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. I think it is. Yeah. Probably for Abby, just the age because Calvin is largely the same when we're in in the apartment when we're out i mean he's out running around doing his own thing mm-hmm. and you know looking back to check and make sure i'm there but when we're in the apartment he really really prefers to have me just there even Present. if he's doing yeah. something yeah um yeah so what are some things that you guys are encouraged by in your n- not just things that encourage you like externally but things that are happening in your lives that are encouraging to you that like progress that you're seeing and that kind of stuff we had i had maybe what i would consider my first like win maybe cuz we're Evie is still so young that there haven't been a whole lot of like there have been like baby wins but i feel like baby wins are like mom wins like yeah she slept through the night you know kind of thing yeah um, right <laughs> i guess that's a baby one too but she had um a kind of aggressive day about a week ago she was just i don't know she just had a lot of aggression we'd had a kind of rough sunday with church and i you know i tried to empathize with her and i always think like it has to be hard to not have words you know for what you're mm-hmm. feeling so I really tried to empathize with her, but she it was just several hours of in and out aggression. And I finally got my 
gentle parenting hat on and started thinking like, okay, I need to help her with this. Like, how can I help her express this? And so we got her blocks out and built a bunch of really tall towers. And I actually encouraged her like, how hard can you knock them down? You know? And like, she was, she really got aggressive on the blocks, but it just, <laughs> even just after 10 minutes of that, of me building them and being shocked when she knocked them down really hard, and, you know, just, it turned into playful parenting and she was just giggling by the end. And it seemed to really kind of hit the spot for her. Like she just needed to get Aww. it out of her system. Um, so that really felt like a, like, oh, it worked, you know, like I didn't have to like get all on her for being grumpy and aggressive. And, you know, I'd been holding her hands all morning and I won't let you hit me. But, um, yeah, I just kind of had to put two and two together. Like, I won't let you hit me, but she has it in her. Like she needs to get it out, you know? Right. So that was kind oh, of a cool thing. A good point. Yeah. That's such a good point. So that's, that's a redirect. Yeah. So there's two parts to that for those of you out there. Don't let them hit you, but let them hit something, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> I think something for us has been that uh, with our oldest, and everyone seems to kind of follow what he's doing, even just if it's little in little increments, because, I mean, their ages, they're close together, but it's a world of difference between a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old. But um, he, when he's having kind of like a meltdown issue where he's overwhelmed, which is, is, it's quite frequently, honestly, um, he kind of does that thing that you see toddlers doing like, no, 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 I want the red cup. No, 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 no. I don't want the red cup. Kind of like every little thing Mm -hmm. is going to be an issue. Everything is just overwhelming. And you start to realize that whatever's going on has nothing to do with the cups at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's actually started saying, um, I'm having a hard time choosing. And Mm -hmm. become like that means a lot more to us than he's having a hard time choosing between the red cup and blue cup. He's Mm -hmm. having a hard time. And I think being able to say that is, it's almost like a little flag of surrender um, rather than continuing to fight us. And it's taken a while to get to certain points where, where he's just comfortable saying it. And once he kind of confesses that he's having a hard time, he tends to be more responsive Hmm. to input um, because he's not, he's not responsive to input if he's just having the hard time and, and not sharing that really. Um, gosh, isn't that like all of us though? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. No, I really, hate I'm fine. telling people that I'm having a hard time <laughs> and I feel better I, once I do. Yeah, you know yeah. what's funny? I had, speaking of that, I had this moment the other day, I was having a total meltdown day and I was avoiding the heck out of it. Like I could feel myself come up to the verge of tears. Like I think it must have been like four or five times in the day. And I was like really avoiding it. Like, don't look at my husband. Don't look at Calvin. Like, just <laughs> you know, keep the like tears back. It was a, a big immigration crazy day. And it was just hard altogether. But then I realized like, no, this is, this is it. You know, this, I need mm-hmm. to tell myself, I need to say to Cornet, I'm having a hard time. And mm-hmm. to- it happen you know and like it's it's funny I almost like envy Weston you know being being able to like say that because it's still so hard for me to say that Mm -hmm. I'm having a hard time power over it but the power over it is actually saying that 
you're having a difficult time and basically that you need help or even if you don't need help, you just need to get it out. Right. Which is like in those moments when Calvin is having a tantrum and I really have to remember like this is this is a good thing. Like I like I what I said earlier is totally true. I actually think this like I wish I could identify and express how I'm feeling. Well, he can't really identify it yet, but I wish I could express immediately and and just feel what I'm feeling mm. as clearly as he does. Yeah. Does that Relatable. make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What about you, Katie? Have you guys had any encouraging wins lately? Honestly, one of the things that I'm most proud of is um, how chill both Cornet and I are when we're out or even at the house, like letting him like, free play you know really how we've encouraged that and fostered that and allowed it and I I don't really realize that it's a thing until we're around people who are uncomfortable with it and um, so in some ways I guess it's not it's just it kind of comes naturally to me and Cornet but in other ways it really doesn't like there are moments where I'm like oh like I want to stop him from doing that you know it looks a little dangerous or or, you know, maybe he should be doing something else or, hey, look, just I have to stop myself all the time from like redirecting him to something that I think like, oh, well, come look at these cows. You've been looking at the ducks for too long. You know, even something as yeah. silly as that, you know, like, aren't you bored looking at that? Come look over the, over at this. And I realize I'm projecting, mm-hmm. but because you're bored. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm tired of looking at ducks, Calvin. <laughs> exactly. Can we go like pet the cows or something now? Like those, those types of things. But also, you know, it does. It like hits so many little areas. Like not projecting my discomfort onto him. And in some ways, you know, tantrums are really hard. But um, free play is one of the areas where. I, uh, I've been really pushing myself to, to let go and let him do his own thing. Um, and realizing that kids often, you know, they really need the immediate feedback of, um, of the ground or of whatever they're touching or whatever they're on. And that when you get in the way, Mm -hmm. uh, it can often make things worse. They don't really know where they are in space, you know, and trying to remember those types of things has, uh, yeah, has been a pretty big thing for me recently. Yeah, that's cool. That's encouraging for me to hear because Kevin's just a few months ahead of Evie, so we'll keep up the free play. (laughs) Yeah, no, and (laughs) it does get so much easier too as they get older. Like, he has really started to take off with just wanting to do his own thing. And, you know, it's obvious when he wants me to actually play with him and not just be there. Mm -hmm. Um, But he is so much better at, you know, just doing his own thing now than he was just a few months ago. Yeah, that's cool. It's really true that it's just hard. Life is just hard and life with other people is hard. And, you know, it's really easy to sound like you've got it all under control when you're just posting about how you should do things. 
you know, on, on a website or on something else, but, um, that putting it into practice, yeah, it can be tough for anybody. It takes a lot of practice mm-hmm. and a lot of years to really become, not to do it at all, but just to become proficient, super yeah, yeah, super proficient and confident in it and takes a lot of experience. Not everybody has bad days. Yeah. I think once you become more confident in what you're doing, the amount that you tend to get overwhelmed does lessen. Um, just that feeling of I, I can have a little bit of control over myself in this and and I'm modeling that and that's what's important. So even if everything else is kind of falling apart, that it doesn't end with that it doesn't end with everything falling apart around you you know it's a bunch of kids and and, you know i think that's a really really good point for both the punitively uh, bent people and the permissively bent people because i know i think all three of us probably lean toward permissive more than punitive um but i know there are a lot of people in our group that tend toward a more you know rigid um direction you know just how different personalities work and for both of those types of people just remembering that that you can you know have a moment of self-control and that is really the most important thing is how we are controlling ourselves in all this I I have another little point that I want to make that was really, really encouraging to me somehow. Corne told me this, um, and I don't know where he got it, Um, probably some podcast, (laughs) Um, that the concept of a non-zero day can be so encouraging that I have this tendency to like really feel like I have to do everything. I have to do everything perfectly. I have to do everything all the time really well or i'm failing and that that's not true that if i can look back at the day and say like i made one little step here and that was a step forward that that's a non-zero day and you and you rarely ever have an actual zero day ever Mm -hmm. i don't i don't even know if those exist and so there's always something to really be be positive about i think and that might sound real cheesy but just no, and I think that I think the cool application with that in gentle parenting is that even tantrum days can be a step forward because it's about like building trust and relationship and um, helping your child cope with their emotions. So even if the entire day is just one meltdown after the other, the way like handling those in a gentle manner is actually like that makes positive progress towards your child being able to handle it, you know, better next time um, and express themselves better and trust you more. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really. Well, and what a way to model the gospel to them that even like when they get old enough and they start realizing, because I know that Weston and Poet both, I mean, they have little consciences and, they recognize like, man, I've had a hard day, but I'm pretty sure I've been giving everybody else a hard day too. And you just get that nasty, yucky feeling of just feeling shame. I mean, even little kids can feel a whole lot of shame and for their source of comfort to still love them and be like, I'm here with you, even though you, I mean, 
did what you did today or had such a hard time that I'm not going away. Um, yeah. That, that's really important. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the whole point of gentle parenting is not to be perfect and it's not for your kids to be perfect, but to model grace and to build trusting relationships. So yeah. Brene Brown's uh, book, it's like a little booklet. Um, the, I think it's the gift of an imperfect parent or the gift of imperfect parenting is really good. So. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> Put that in the show notes. <laughs> well, I think that is the perfect place to wrap up for this episode. So um, thank you guys for being so candid with me and with our audience. I appreciate you guys. Oh, Aw, great hug. Thanks so much for listening to Tending Lambs. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please join our Facebook group, Tending Lambs Community Group. You can follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tendinglambs, and find the show notes page and lots of other gentle parenting resources at our website, tendinglambs.com. Until next time. Mm-hmm.